Blog Talk Radio. and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Tonight we're going to be doing an episode of our travel times and we're going to be looking at staying in a bread and breakfast. Now since I started doing my Laura speaking, I have had the opportunity to stay in a number of bread and breakfasts um, and it's sort of a different experience every time. And it, But when I talk to other people, they're kind of hesitant about it. So I hope this will give you an idea of uh, some of uh, the differences and what it's like to come and stay at a bed and breakfast. So you'll be able to do that with confidence. Probably three of my favorite bed and breakfasts in the whole world are the Prairie Manor in uh, South Dakota, the Eagle Center Inn in Eagle, Wisconsin, and uh, the home location of our speaker tonight, the Bluebell Inn in St. Angers, Iowa. And so we're going to get to Sherry Hansen from there who in just a minute. But before we do that, we have just a little bit of housekeeping. And I wanted to remind everybody that if you want to call in, you can do that at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll-free, 877-633-9389. That's 1-877-633-9389. And uh, we have a couple of other episodes already scheduled for this month, so you can look ahead to next or uh, to Tuesday, November 22nd. We're going to be talking with Julie Williams about Carrie Ingalls Swainsey, who's I think done more work on her being a newspaper woman than just about anybody else. On Friday, November 25th, that's the day after Thanksgiving, we're going to be doing Laura Ingalls Wilder Celebrates Thanksgiving, and we're going to talk a little bit about how Laura celebrated Thanksgiving and how those things have changed today. Uh, And if anybody local is listening live, I'm going to be doing a program tomorrow night at 6.30 at the Old Capitol Museum in Iowa City. So I hope that you will... Uh, be joining us for at least some of those events and that uh, things will be going just as swimmingly next time as they are tonight. So far, no tech problems. So I hope, considering we had a snowstorm this morning, I think that's uh, showing definitely a good direction to go. And here we go with the end of housekeeping. And now I'm going to go ahead and bring on Sherry. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you for coming to the program. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm very excited to do this. I haven't actually gotten a chance to to talk to you before uh, voice-wise, so we've been talking on Twitter. And I did get to stay in your lovely inn one time because uh, in your uh, aunt's house of dreams. So I'm really glad that you could come on tonight to talk about it. 
Well, thank uh, you again for inviting me. So first off, why don't you tell us just a little bit about who you are and your background so they'll know who they're listening to. Okay, my name is Sherry Hansen Decker, and I have owned and operated the Bluebell Inn for 20 years. I will be celebrating my birthday on February 1st and 20 years of being open to the public. So 20 years ago at this time we were renovating a very rundown house and, and trying to get it open. Before I moved back to Iowa, I have lived in Colorado Springs for 12 years. And before that, I lived in Germany for three years. I went to school in um, Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. And I am from Austin, Minnesota originally. And I moved back here to be near my family and my nieces and nephews in particular because I didn't have kids of my own. And when it came time to figure out a way to support myself in an area that was largely rural, I came up with the idea of opening a bed and breakfast. And my idea then, and I think it's still the same now, is that people that live in the bigger cities in Iowa and Minnesota in particular um, really kind of are nostalgic and want to get back to their roots, which is oftentimes a small farming community or a rural area, and that they would enjoy coming to a place that held some fond memories from their childhood and that would get them away from the hustle bustle of the city and yet maybe not be quite so rustic as a camping trip. I think the baby boomers like to get away to the country and to a small town, but they maybe don't want to sleep on the ground in a tent. So our bed and breakfast has a lot of luxuries, and yet it has a lot of um, romance and comfort, too, for those that like to get away from big cities. Well, St. Anxier is a really lovely town, and you have done a phenomenal job restoring that house. for those of you out there who uh, haven't ever stayed in a bed and breakfast, why don't you tell us sort of what your definition of a bed and breakfast is? Well, a bed and breakfast is basically staying in someone's home instead of a, a hotel, commercial hotel or motel. But there's a lot of definitions of different kinds of bed and breakfasts. Some are called homestays, and in those you're actually staying in the home under the same roof as the owner and there might be only one or two or three rooms. Um, Mine is run more like um, an inn, and I used to live in the basement, but I now live right next door to the Bluebell. But there's more privacy, um, and because I'm a single, um, was a single woman when I opened the inn, and the whole time that I lived in the house, you weren't being exposed to kids or dogs or families. Um, You know, it was run as a professional inn and bed and breakfast, and so there's a little difference between different kinds of establishments. But that's part of the fun of bed and breakfast, I think, because you never know quite what to expect. Each one is unique, and each one is different, as is each owner. So uh, is there anything that you'd say stands out as a difference from, say, a hotel? Well, the rooms are um, more personalized and individually decorated. Like I said, each house has a different personality. My house is a Victorian house that was built in 1895. And so you have a lot of beautiful woodwork and tin ceilings and, you know, antiques and the historic aspects of the house that make it different from a hotel. Um, The rooms, like I said, tend to be more individually decorated instead of the cookie-cutter type approach that hotel and motels have. Um, breakfast, we have little individual tables for two, and breakfast is always served. I think it just has more of a homey feel in general than a hotel, which has more of a commercial feel. 
So uh, are there chains of bread and breakfasts ever, or are they individually owned? Bed and breakfasts are, I think, pretty much always individually owned. And although I have met people that own more than one bed and breakfast, I don't think I've ever heard of a chain. Um, one of my favorite bed and breakfasts is Blue Lake Ranch, and it's in Colorado. And the people there um, were Define. spent the summers at their Colorado bed and breakfast, and then during the winter they had another bed and breakfast in Santa Fe, and they would spend their winters there. So there are people that own more than one, and like I said, though, I don't know of any chains, at least okay. not that I'm aware of. Okay, so how would you find one if you wanted to stay in a bed and breakfast? Well, um, the best way to do it nowadays is to go on the Internet, just like everything else, I guess. There are places like bedandbreakfast.com and bbonline.com, and Pamela Lanier has a bed and breakfast search engine where you can go and click on the map of the area that you want to go to, and it will show you all the bed and breakfasts um, in that area with links to their websites. Um, there are also state um, organizations, and most states have some sort of information through their tourist department, and bed and breakfast associations put out flyers and pamphlets and brochures that have listings of all the bed and breakfasts in their states. So if you're going to be traveling to a certain area or state, you can request one of those in advance and get a color booklet that gives you lots of options, too. Uh, is there any way to know the, if it's a good place to stay or not before you come? Is there any kind of seal of approval or, you know, organizational membership that you can ask if somebody has? Well, the Bluebell Inn is AAA approved, and they give us a star rating just like they do other hotels. Um, whereas a three-star motel might not be the best or the top of the line as far as hotels go, three or four stars for a bed and breakfast is pretty much top-notch because the bed and breakfast is rarely going to have something like a um, concierge or, um, you know, parking. They're not going to have a bellhop parking your vehicle for you. And so there are some things that more or less um, rule out the possibility of bed and breakfast getting a five-star. But you can tell by the AAA rating that it's a good bed and breakfast, and we are approved and inspected regularly by AAA. Many of the state associations also approve their members, so if you are going to a B&B that belongs to a state organization, you know that they've been inspected and that they meet certain criterion. And then I think that you know you can tell by the websites. You can tell how a place is decorated, um, what kind of you know historical aspects you used to be kind of batting in the dark, I guess, when you went to visit a bed and breakfast because you really didn't know much about them unless you had a personal recommendation. But nowadays you can visit the website and get quite a lot of information from there. Uh, do guests normally have to bring anything extra as opposed to what they'd bring if they were staying in a hotel? I I don't think so. I mean, we have stayed at a where maybe they don't have a hair dryer or something that's pretty standard in bed and breakfast. So sometimes I tuck one in. But I think more and more the bed and breakfasts are, you know, providing bathrobes and hair dryers and shampoo and all the amenities that you would normally have. We have an iron available. Um, some bed and breakfasts don't have individual coffee makers in the room, but again, more and more do. 
I think that um, in general that, you know, any innkeeper, if there's a need for something that you didn't bring along, that they're going to go get it for you and bring it to you, even if they don't have one specifically in the room. Uh, well, if you're staying in a bed and breakfast, do you have to talk to other guests or an innkeeper or if you're there just sort of um, wanting to be to yourself, can you keep to yourself? You know, that's one of the most commonly heard objections to staying at a bed and breakfast that I hear, and that's the fear that you have to socialize with the other guests and that you're going to be seated around one big table um, at breakfast time, you're going to have to talk to other people even if you don't want to. And I will say there are some bed and breakfasts that still do that. And for a lot of people, part of the fun of staying at a bed and breakfast is that you do get to meet other people. And I have heard and have been told by guests that they've met people at a bed and breakfast and they've become fast friends. And from that point on, they always make sure and visit the bed and breakfast on the same weekend each year so they get to see each other again. And I hear lots of stories like that. But at the Bluebell Inn, we try very hard to respect the privacy of the guests so that if you don't want to socialize, you don't have to. And we understand that if you're there celebrating your honeymoon, that you're probably not going to want to sit at the same breakfast table as an 80-year-old couple that's celebrating you know, their 60th wedding anniversary. So we have individual tables for two for breakfast. Um, sometimes people want to move their placemats over to the table next to them and sit with somebody that they've maybe gotten into a conversation with the night before so they can chat further. But most often our guests um, sit at the table by themselves. We being sensitive to the guest needs so that because we do have people that come to bed and breakfast that really need to talk and they want to talk and they're at a bed and breakfast because they're expecting that more personalized service and attention from their host or hostess. We have other guests that are there for privacy and specifically want to get away from their families or their clients or their neighbors um, and just truly have a break where they can just decompress and not talk to anybody for example, we have a lot of pastors and their wives that come and stay here, and they're working with people all the time. They're on call 24 hours a day, and when they come here, they don't they don't want to talk to anybody. They just want to, you know, be by themselves. And we try to be intuitive and, um, uh, you know, meet the needs of the people that are here, no matter what those needs are, whether it's to talk or to be private. Well, I must admit, I do like to. I tend to be a talker when I go, but I think it's good to have the option. Now, yes, definitely. Now, the Bluebell Inn also is. Uh, do you serve like you have teas and things too? Correct. Is is that common? Yes. We're actually open for lunch every day from eleven thirty to one thirty, and we serve all kinds of fun things like cottage pie with a thatched roof, which is a recipe I got from a tea house in Wales. And right now we're serving our little seasoned pork and Parmesan stuffed pumpkins. And we have chicken salad croissants and our very, very chicken salad and more traditional things too. But the tea house is open for lunch every day. And then we're open on Friday and Saturday nights for dinner to the public. And we do murder mysteries and wine tastings and we have live music and we do all kinds of fun things as well as our fondue feast, which is popular. I think it's rather uncommon for a bed and breakfast to also be a tea house. Um, Part of the reason I did that is because we lived in a small town where there weren't a lot of fine dining options or romantic places to celebrate an anniversary over dinner and candlelight. 
And in the wintertime, you know, we're 20 miles from the next biggest town. And so who wants to check into a bed and breakfast and just when you get all cozy and warm, then have to leave and go out in the cold and snow to drive 20 miles to a restaurant? So we thought that having the option of dining on site would be an asset to us, and and it has been. We have met a lot of fine customers over the years who started out here for lunch and ended up spending a honeymoon night here and anniversary night here, and the two have complemented each other very well. But I think in general that it's more common just to have a bed and breakfast. I think your bed and breakfast innkeepers are always happy to refer you to other local restaurants, and we do that, but I think it's part of what makes the Blue Valley Inn special is that people can just kind of come here and cozy in for the weekend and and be able to um, have their meals here as well if they like. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on specifically to talk about bread and breakfast is because I thought that some of the people who listen to my podcast, uh, we tend to be book people on here, uh, people who like mm-hmm. Laura Ingalls Wilder and Ellen Montgomery and Maude Hart Lovelace. So, uh, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about your bread and breakfast because I think it's such a good fit for that kind of people and yes. uh, kind of uh, describe it a little bit. You have kind of a literary theme for your bread and breakfast room decorations. How, come, how did you come to choose that theme? Well, I've always been a lover of children's storybooks, and I'm a writer myself and now a published author of four books. So when I was opening the bed and breakfast and trying to think about different themes, and names for the rooms, I lit upon the idea of naming them after my favorite children's storybooks, and that's just how it happened. I um, think the first one that I wanted to do was The Secret Garden, and then from there I had to have a Laura Ingalls Wilder book, so I chose On the Banks of Plum Creek, which is my favorite one. And each of the images that came to mind you know, through those books um, – help me decorate the room and just have little symbolic things in the rooms that other lovers of the books will find. And Maud Hart Lovelace, my, the Betsy Tacey books are my absolute favorites, and so I had Heaven to Betsy. And then Sherwood Forest, um, Never Neverland was another favorite of mine. I love Peter Pan. And the Anne's House of Dreams and Anne of Green Gables uh, series is a newer one, and that came about because I had visited Prince Edward Island about 18 years ago and fell in love with uh, the place and and decided that when I in my next room that it was going to be named after Anne of Green Gables. Well, that was the one I got to stay in was the Anne's House of Dreams, and it's very pretty out there. You did just a really nice job uh, getting the feel of the books into the rooms. Well, thank you. I have been able to display some of the memorabilia I brought back from Prince Edward Island and I have a wonderful, all all of our rooms are modern, so they're just little touches in the room. For example, there's an old um, collar from a horse that hangs in that room, and it actually came from my husband's grandpa's farm in North Dakota. But it looked like, you know, an old-fashioned thing, and I could just kind of imagine Matthew putzing with it. And and we have some pictures of Anne and, and Gilbert in the rooms in some special frames, and just little touches throughout that are fun. Up in Heaven to Betsy, we have an old trunk that I like to think of as having belonged to Uncle Keith and that Betsy, that's where Betsy would put her manuscripts and her writing materials, just like she did in, in the books. And so 
for those that love the books like I do, there are little touches scattered throughout the rooms that will be special. Okay, let's go a little bit in detail in one of the rooms, and let's just kind of talk about what you have in, oh, let's say, hmm, Laura Ingalls Wilder's Plum Creek. Okay, well, in Plum Creek, um, first of all, we have a log cabin quilt, which is symbolic to those that know the book since that was Laura's beginnings. Um, I also have some silk flowers that are marshy and look like cattails and things that I envision growing along the banks of Plum Creek. I have a big old um, kind of a apple Santa that has a big old long fur coat on that um, I remember from, you know, when Mr. Edwards brought Christmas treats to them and had a long fur coat on. I have several different Laura Ingalls Wild posters um, that I have gotten from different Laura Ingalls Wilder sites that I visited over the years. And most importantly, I have quite a few of the books. Um, finding one of Laura Ingalls Wilder books, well, I have a book that reflects the name of the room in each of the rooms. And finding it on the banks of Plum Creek, like an original edition or an older copy of that, was very difficult because they are so beloved by everyone that no one ever gets rid of them. And I have looked and looked in different bookstores, used bookstores. I had done online searches. I had a couple of places you know, looking for a copy for me. And one day I went into a newly opened antique store in, in the little town of Garner, Iowa, and I was just getting open. And here on the shelves was a very old copy of On the Banks of Plum Creek, and I think I paid $2 for it. <laughs> that was one of my great finds. I was so <laughs> And I finally found it. And so there you know, just fun little special things through the books. The um, colors of the room are blue and a deep plum color and just try to very much to give it a feel. Um, there's a little lamp in there that's also made like a log cabin. And there's um, a old corset that belonged to my grandmother and there is a pretty nightgown with a crocheted top that... Um, also belonged to my grandmother. There's also a dress that was sewn on an old uh, treadle sewing machine, and it was made from feed sacks, which my grandma and great-grandma used to go to the feed store with grandpa during the Depression when they had no money and find enough feed sacks that matched one another so that they could sew dresses out of them. And so there's some several neat old antique things in the room, too, that would be you know, not maybe quite as old as that era, but certainly reflect the, the pioneer days. So. And uh, also in the way of modern conveniences then, uh, since it's Plum Creek, you have well, something there's a special. Really big, there's a really big jacuzzi for two. Um, there's also an old-fashioned claw-footed bathtub. The room has a king-size bed, and it... Um, has a fireplace with a gas log, and um, that one has a rounded turret alcove at the end of the room and really high ceilings, and um, it's just a beautiful room. It really is. I got to see it. I hope I, I get to stay there sometime. I and, hope so, too. <laughs> and uh, let's um, talk about, just do a little bit more detail, just to give them another example of your Heaven to Betsy room. What's it like? Well, Heaven to Betsy is up on the third floor, and um, to me, 
you know, Betsy is a dreamer, and she, um, you know, just likes whimsical things. And maybe somebody else has a different impression of Betsy than I do, but that's mine. So in addition to having the trunk, which I like to think of um, as Uncle Keith's trunk, we have the whole series of Betsy Tacey books, um, all older editions. And then there are lots of cherubs and angels in the book, which isn't really an accurate reflection of Heaven to Betsy, but that's just kind of how it worked out. The room is really cozy, and it has sloped ceilings, and it has a very tucked away from the world feeling. And uh, there's a quote that I use in my flyer from um, Betsy, or Heaven to Betsy, that talks about Betsy being up in her room and Anna was taking care of her and she could hear the sounds of the family going on underneath her and she felt privileged to be tucked away in her little sanctuary up in the in the attic and I really like the feel of that room. It also has a private jacuzzi for two and a fireplace with a gas log and a king size bed and it occupies most of the third floor of the house and I think of all the rooms that one has the feel of being a very private retreat and a sanctuary and a place where someone could come and write and relax and just feel totally tucked away from the world. Now, since you mentioned writing, you actually do have writing retreats as one of your events there, too, then, right? Yes. Um, I have been having one every other summer for about 16 years now. We've had some great speakers, uh, published authors that give classes and then people have the opportunity to write. We have um, workshops, hands-on workshops. We brainstorm about ideas. We do character sketches. And it's really been helpful for me in my writing career. I've I've learned a tremendous amount from the different speakers we've had over the years. And I've made a lot of really good friends um, of other people who are writers and who have come to the retreat. Okay, well, we are almost at the end of our half hour, so if anybody wants to uh, specifically stay at your bread and breakfast sometime, why don't you go ahead and give us your contact information? Well, our phone number is 641-713-3113, and we have a wonderful website where you can book directly at www.bluebellin.com. And you have to put an E on the end of bell, like a southern bell, or you'll end up in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. And we don't want you there. We want you to stay in <laughs> Iowa. Um, so those are the, the best ways to find us. We're also on hotel.com, bedandbreakfast.com. And if you go on the web and Google Bluebell in, in Iowa, you'll find all kinds of wonderful things. And there is a real nice selection of pictures on their web page. I hope everybody does that. And you actually also have a Twitter handle. Yes. We're on Twitter and we're on Facebook, and you can actually book directly from Facebook um, if you want to stay at the Bluebell Inn, too. Again, um, we're slash Bluebell on Facebook with an E on the end. Well, thank you very much, Sherry. I've appreciated you uh, being our guest tonight. I think everybody learned a lot about bread and breakfast, and I hope this will encourage some people to, uh, if they might have been a little hesitant, to take the risk and stay in a bread and breakfast sometime. I hope so, too. You have to be a little adventurous, but the rewards are great. So thank you very much, and I'm going to go ahead and put you back in the green room, Sherry. Thank you again for having me as a guest, Sarah. Oh, no problem. 
And as far as everybody else, I want to just remind you that we have a couple of upcoming episodes. Our next episode uh, is going to be, well, a very short one on Saturday when I'm going to do the November update for what's going on in Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom this month. Then on November 22nd, I'm going to be talking with Julie Williams about Carrie Ingalls Swainsey. And uh, then on Friday, November 25th, we're going to be talking about Laura Ingalls Wilder celebrates Thanksgiving. So I hope that you can listen to those. And remember, if you ever uh, are out and about so you can't catch it live, you can also call in and listen on your phone, toll-free 1-877-633-9389. You can also catch us after the episode airs by streaming on the website or uh, by downloading us from iTunes. We're free under the podcast heading. So thank you very much, and I hope that we'll see you here again next time we take a little travel time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.